and this is Stephen Kravitz. It's People of the Book, and we are starting the show right now. We've got a full show. We're going to have um, a good friend of mine, Terry Morris, coming on the line in a few moments from Pan Macmillan to tell us about some of Pan Macmillan and Picador Africa's great releases currently or shortly to be available in the shops. And then at half past 11, we have a South African debut author, Marcus Lowe, who's published by Picador Africa, coming in to talk about his book, Asylum. It's just been released, and he's going to be talking to us about it. Just uh, for if you're listening, this is Stephen Kravitz's People of the Book. Next week, because it's the Friday before Father's Day, I'm going to spend half an hour talking about books for dad. And we also have um, Lynn Fisher from Penguin Random House who will be in the studio as well. And then that's uh, that's look forward to for next week. So listen to Next week, that's the 16th, it's the public holiday, the 16th of June for Books for Dad. I've got a growing pile of books next to my bedside that are real masculine reads. And uh, this is this is People of the Book. And do we have Terry on? We're going to have Terry Morris from Macmillan on the line in a few moments. And then, as I said, we're going to have um, Marcus Lowe, author of the book Asylum, also published by Picador Africa on the on in in the studio for an author interview. Uh, are you there, Terry? Yes, I am. Hi, Stephen. Uh, now, welcome to our welcome to our people of the book show. It's great having you back on the line. Uh, you are you are you are the. Um, one of the most one of the most passionate people about books that I know in South Africa, and you also have a dream job for everybody for anybody who likes reading books um, at Macmillan. And great titles coming out. I, mean, I saw you two weeks ago. We discussed some of them, but uh, I'm going to hand over to you to share your passion and some of your titles with our listeners. Super. Thanks, Stephen. Well, you know, sometimes sadly work gets in the way, and we don't land up reading as much as we should or want to. Um, so, so, well, I do read prolifically and I love it. Um, I do feel like the last few weeks have been so hectic. I haven't quite got to read everything I want to. But, but that being said, there's still a, a, a piece of, of titles coming out, I and mean, not just from our publishing, um, across the board. And it does feel like, um, a mix of books is so exciting. Uh, you know, it's repeat authors, um, coming out with some stuff. Bestsellers, the South African titles are just phenomenal. So, um, should I just go ahead and, and talk about, about a few of my favourites? Go ahead, yes. Perfect. So, um, there are a few books that have been out for a little while, and uh, I really urge you to read them if you haven't. And um, the Trevor Noah Born a Crime, um, it's just a phenomenal book. Uh, it's, it's been a huge bestseller in South Africa, rightly so. He mixes that um, sardonic humour of his with the uh, really poignant kind of moments and reflections on his life growing up as a crime in South Africa, born to a white father and a, and a, and a black mother. Um, and of course, he's just going from strength to strength on the Daily Show in the US. Um, and of course, coming out in August for a few shows. So, so then this that book. Um, another great book um, is uh, one called Confluence. And many of you may have seen the movie Beyond the River. Uh, a wonderful South African production that 
um, is really the story of uh, two men from very different backgrounds who land up um, taking on the doozy canoe marathon. And um, Confluence is the true story behind the book written by Piers Cookshank, um, who also happens to be the head of academics at Kingsmead uh, School. And, and it's just a wonderful um, book about uh, overcoming challenges, but also, but also understanding each other in South Africa. And um, so that book is available, and it's, it's a great book. And see the movie if you haven't. Um, I've just finished reading Scott Thoreau's new book, which is coming out um, in June. I love Scott Thoreau. Many of you will remember um, uh, him. He was uh, author of, now I'm going to presume, Innocence, a wonderful um, legal thriller that was made into a movie with Harrison Ford. Um, and he is really a, 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 a clever writer um, and lawyer. And the, this book, Testimony, and takes quite a different tack. It's set at the International um, Court uh, for Crimes, the ICC, in the Hague, and um, it's, it's an, a lawyer who is, um, has to go back and look into uh, a proposal of what, what was seems to be a crime of uh, humanity against uh, the Roman Egyptians, a uh, Roman, sorry, the, the Gypsies in um, Bosnia. It's fascinating and shows the machinations of the International Criminal Court. Um, fantastic thrill, a lot of twists and turns. Also looking at the American complicity in, in, in some of these areas, Iraq, Bosnia. Um, so that's, I'm you a real, sorry. That, that's Scott Turow. It's called Testimony. Testimony, yes. Okay, okay. That's his new one. For all the um, listeners, all the titles that Terry's talking about, I will post on our Facebook page. That's People of the Book on 101.9 Chai FM. You go to Facebook and you type that in, and I'll do that during the course of today or over the weekend. So if you are driving and you just don't have a piece of paper and a pen handy, everything will be there. You can go use Terry's recommendations as your list of must-reads, and we'll be back with more titles from Terry straight after this ad break. From talk to music, from Johannesburg to Israel, from sport to business, this is 101.9 High FM. This is People of the Book, and we've got Terry Morris from Pan Macmillan on the line. We've just looked at the Trevor Noah book, Confluence, and then Scott Turow's soon-to-be-released book, Testimony. And what else? Um, <laughs> I'm going to mix it up a bit, because I read quite widely, which is quite fun. Um, and uh, for, for people who like, uh, I say a book club read, uh, largely for women's audience, but it's really um, a fantastic book, is The Park, by Dale Schimmel. And um, she's a South African author. This is her third book. And it's a fantastic read about um, a mother, takes her little daughter, who's she's adopted to the park every day, lands up meeting a group of other mothers. Um, they connect. They become friends. And one day, one of the mothers asks her to look after her child, her daughter, and she disappears. And she disappears for good. And this mother is left with, with the child. And so it's kind of past thriller, past book club read. It's fantastic, and um, it's been getting rave reviews. And so many of you may have uh, come across Gale, um, if you're prolific readers and at the various festivals. Um, we have Boyke Sidley's, Stephen Boyke Sidley's wonderful new book, Free Association. He has a tour de force, Boyke, and um, he was an IT specialist who sort of fell into writing about four years ago. 
And he literally has produced an astounding book, Year on Year. And this is his new one, his best yet, I think. And so for those of you who are avid blog, uh, um, sorry, podcast listeners as I am, uh, this is kind of a mashup of every podcast you've, you've loved. You know, Serial, uh, NPR's, um, This American Life. And really, the main character is, is a podcaster. Um, and so the book is interspersed with this wonderful podcast. And he's are just a phenomenal writer. So I'm going to interview. I'm going to interject over here just to tell all the listeners that I'm going to be interviewing Boyki Sidley in two weeks' time. So get your copy of the book, read it, and then you can listen to our discussion with the author in two weeks' time. Wonderful. Um, There are also some incredible paperbacks coming out. You know, we're all, uh, I'm sure, have found that books are getting more and more expensive. Um, In fact, the prices are coming down a little bit. But um, what's wonderful is people often... You know, you get that book you've been meaning to read, meaning to read, and a year later or six months later it comes out in paperback. And so, so there's incredible books out in paperback. Um, we have Cold Case Confession, the Alex Ellis's book on Betty Katani, a fantastic book, a true crime. Um, a Shadow Sister, for those of you who've never picked up Lucinda Riley, she's an amazing woman's um, writer. She has set this series about these seven sisters in different places in the world. And wonderful news, she'll be coming to South Africa in February, partly to do some research, because one of the books will be set in Africa, so she'll be moving between uh, South Africa and Kenya. Um, and she really is um, a star on the rise, right? Um, we've got a new Jeffrey Archer, we've got a new David Baldacci. Um, I, I always love a David Baldacci in between some of the very heavy-going um, news that we've bombarded with at the moment. Um, and then I, I personally always go for some of the very literary books. And um, so we've got some books making kind of waves at the moment. American War is one of them, getting wave reviews. And it's, um, sort of an apocalyptic, futuristic novel, um, looking at environmental issues set in, in America. Um, uh, Stephen, you'll probably know a little bit more than me because I'm, I'm only a quarter of the way through at the moment. Uh, um, I'm a third. <laughs> yeah. You're third. Okay, so we're sort of in the same boat, but I'm, I'm finding it absolutely fascinating and um, it's, it's had huge um, uh, kind of feedback and reviews. And so really looking at America as it is today, but more more importantly, sort of environmental issues. Um, also tending to dy- then, dystopian. <laughs> Yeah, quite dystopian in a way. Um, and I've just started reading um, uh, Bitter Fruit, which is a reissue of, of the wonderful Ahmad Dangal book. It was shortlisted for the Booker Prize um, quite a few years ago, and we're about to release his new novel. So we've just released Bitter Fruit again. And I'm, I'm absolutely loving it. It's, it's a travesty that it was out of print for so long. So um, I urge people, if you like, um, South African novels to read that. Stephen says I need to sort of keep things um, uh, around books that are releasing in, in May or June, um, but I can't help myself in terms of looking forward because we work quite far ahead. So there's some wonderful books coming out um, later in the year, if I'm allowed to go there. Yeah, please go ahead. I love, I, I love, I love sharing uh, knowledge of what's coming out like in, I don't know, August, September with our listeners as well. Brilliant. So, um, there's some, again, wonderful South African, uh, we really, the South African books are, are 
phenomenal. And I guess uh, as much as our um, politics is, is warped, it does certainly provide good um, uh, material for books and writers. So we've got, um, we're very excited. We've just signed up a novel, first novel, from well-known award-winning author um, Peter Harris. Many of you may have read in a different time. And his new novel, Babylon, is set in Johannesburg. It's, an, it's a quintessential Joburg book, very accessible, and it's about uh, business deals, a mining town, um, dodgy characters, and it's, it's absolutely wonderful. So that will be coming um, September, October. Um, we just signed that up. Also, coming in August, um, so not, not too far off, is Glenn Breitenbach's memoir. Many of you will know her as um, one of the fierce uh, public protectors from the NPA. And she is now the Shadow Minister of Justice for the DA. And she's, um, she writes this book about what the law means to her and her experiences. And it is absolutely fascinating. And um, really from inside the NPA. And she writes um, uh, very, very honestly and straightforward as one would expect. Uh, and that'll be a, a fantastic book. Um, the big book for all of us, really, is the um, Follow Us to Long Walk to Freedom, Dare Not Linger. And um, uh, Medida had, had started writing the memoirs of his presidential years. And um, this is the follow-up book that since the mantle was taken up by Mandela Langer, who, who, who finished off the book and the writing. And it is incredibly powerful and insightful, and that's really our kind of star book of the year, if I can call it that. Um, and then just one book I wanted to also touch on, um, Stephen, which uh, it's just been released. And, you know, knowing, I know there was a recent tragedy within the community and um, uh, most of us have, have had our lives, you know, we're touched in many ways by tragedy, but specifically within the community. And there's a book, a fascinating book called Soul for Happiness by Mo Gauda. And Mo is the Chief Business Officer for Google X. Uh, very, very successful guy, an engineer, um, had it all, made huge amounts of money, but could never quite find the happiness that he thought he would attain, you know, by being successful and having as much money as he, as he, as he needed or wanted. And um, he had a wonderful relationship with his son, but still not kind of happy within himself. And... He and his son worked on a, on a sort of a, they started a conversation about happiness and what happiness means. Um, looking at it from an engineer's perspective around algorithms and, um, that sounds very terrifying, but really kind of flipping the concept of happiness on its head. And in the process, um, of this happening, his son came home from university, came to visit, um, then, and, um, had a, an operation which went wrong and he died on the operating table. And Mo's life is just completely, completely unraveled. Um, uh, immense tragedy in him and his family's life. And seven days later, he started thinking of what would my son Ali have done? What would he have done? And he, he kind of picks up from taking strength from his son and writes this book around happiness and what it means and attaining happiness. And I'm not generally one for um, these kind of um, self-help books. It is an incredibly moving personal story and also 
I think some of us get so stuck in this crazy life of, um, you know, the busyness of family and work, and there's just never time, any time to kind of stop and think, are, are we actually happy? What is making us happy? What are the components that make us happy? And that's what he does in this book, and it's really, um, it's, I, I, I highly recommend it. There's also a video that many of you will find on uh, YouTube that um, went quite viral. And um, have a look at it. So that's Mobile Dash Solved for Happy. Um, you, you, very you've solved me, but I also, before the show, I downloaded, I suppose it's the same video. He, he, he heads Google X, but he also spoke at talks at Google. And I watched him being interviewed about this book. And uh, what you've said has sold me. Uh, I'm going home to read the book. But just <laughs> hearing him talk about this, and he's actually from Egypt, so he's got a, he's got a strong Egyptian accent, but he's extremely intelligent. And he, 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 he is, he's got these ideas so polished that he can tell you his definition of happiness and all these like algorithms of how to get happiness and how we all uh, can achieve the sense of calm and happiness. And he's not just talking as a researcher. He's talking from the perspective, you said he lost a son and 17 days later, he took 10 years worth of research, which he put into a book form. Uh, it's, it's, just hearing him speak is very powerful. And I think uh, not only has he sold me, but you, you're saying what you've saying. You've sold, um, uh, I've got the, the, the book on my table in my dining room at home, and that's going to be some of the, uh, the weekend reading that I'm going to be doing over this weekend. That's good. I look forward to hearing what you think. Um, we're going to take, take another ad break, and then we'll be back to you for the last few minutes with Terry from, uh, from Pan Macmillan Books in South Africa. The best part of your day. At the heart of your community. All the talk. All the music. All the news. Hi FM. And we're back. It's People of the Book on 101.9 Chai FM. Stephen Kravitz in the studio, and we're talking with Terry Morris from Pan Macmillan. We've just spoken about a book called Solve for Happy by Mo Galdat. Uh, very, it's a very important book. I'd, that's, I say everyone should go out and look for it in the shops. I think it's something that's going to change people's lives. And Terry, and mm. um, I can't, I can't resist even in the last few minutes just talking about a few kids' titles because um, I, I think the more we can get our kids enthusiastic or, or reading prolifically and widely and enjoying what they're reading. Um, you know, we certainly don't have a business case uh, going forward. But also, when I see, I have I have twins who turning eight this year, and when I see their excitement in picking up a great book, it really is um, it's magical. And um, so there's a few new children's books coming out um, that I just wanted to touch on. I don't know many of you may have uh, come uh, come across the Treehouse Stories um, in series, with, uh, which is Andy Griffith. And Terry Denton, uh, two Australians. Never tattered, but absolutely wonderful. And, um, my kids have finished, uh, the 78 story treehouse and are eagerly awaiting in September the 91 story treehouse. Don't, don't miss out on that. And get your kids reading, um, the first lot of the treehouse series. It's, it's absolutely wonderful. Off the wall, humorous, and, um, brilliant for a lesson reader because it has incredible drawings. Um, 
just to say that um, this is the last week of uh, Chris Riddell's children's laureate trip in the UK. Um, he's been an amazing laureate. He's actually putting together a book of sketches um, of his laureate trip. And um, it's just been announced in the UK that Lauren Child has, uh, will be the new laureate. Many of you know her from um, her, her various children's series, her routine, and um, she uh, will take over, I think, next week. Um, and, and so she's got a new book, some new books coming this year. Um, also, Christopher Cowell, for those of you who've loved How to Train Your Dragon, she has a new series coming out. Also, uh, fantasy, uh, humor, and lots of little drawings. Um, and, and just, uh, and, uh, uh, just an incredible list of, of children's books coming towards the end of the year. And then just lastly, Stephen, it's not one of ours, but um, I finished reading East West Street by Philippe Sands and, and was lucky enough to meet him at Conscious Literary Festival. And what an incredible book. Uh, I really urge you to read it. It's, it's uh, quite a commitment because it's a big book, but it's very accessible, beautifully written. Um, and essentially, uh, Philippe's family comes from a very small um, village, Lvov, which was part of the Austro-Hungarian Empire, now part of Ukraine. He goes back to give a lecture there at the international, um, uh, at the university. He is an international lawyer. And he unravels this is actually where his grandfather's from. And also, while doing, whilst doing research for this um, lecture, uh, finds out that two very uh, prominent uh, um, legal minds um, of, of the sort of World War II generation come from the same village. And were instrumental in coming up with the terms used um, in the Nuremberg trial, one crimes against humanity and the other genocide. And he tracks these kind of three families and also Hans Frank, um, the, the most horrendous um, uh, Nazi leader who, who was um, headed up Poland and Lvov fell under Poland at that time. And it is the most wonderful piece of writing, and I, I really urge people to read that, East West. Okay, that's East West Street. It's, by, it's written by Philippe Sands. And uh, thank you so much, Terry, for coming on the radio. We now have one of your authors coming into the studio who's waiting outside the door. And so we'll be interviewing Marcus Lowe, who's been published by Picador Africa. That's part of Macmillan uh, for, about his latest book, Asylum. Uh, all the books that Terry's spoken about, I'll post them on uh, the, our Facebook page by the end of the weekend. So if you've... If you if you, if you are listening to this in the car and you now have a list of recommended reads that you want to access, it will be on our Facebook page. Facebook, you go to Facebook, then type in People of the Book on 101.9 High FM. And all these books will be there as well as details about Asylum by Marcus Lowe, who is going to be coming into the studio right now. And th- thank you, Terry, so much for coming on air. And we appreciate all your passion and your drive to get us and our children to read. Thank you. Now, it's our pleasure at FM to have in our studio uh, South African debut author Marcus Lowe, f- who's going to be discussing his new book, Asylum, with us. Welcome, Marcus. Thank you very much, Stephen. I've got a whole lot of questions that I want to ask you about your book. Uh, so I hope you're ready. I'm, um, I'm getting used to talking about it, so... Um, when did your book come out? Well, it was launched in the beginning of April, so 
So it's it's still very near. And you've been on a bit of a publicity road trip. Yeah, we did a launch in Cape Town. Um, we did the Franschhoek Literary Festival. Um, there's going to be another launch at the Grahamstown Arts Festival. So, and now you now you in Joburg. It's it's very odd for me to talk about my own work actually, because I I mean I've my background is in healthcare. I worked with a treatment action campaign for many years, um, and in that capacity, I always talked about the work. You know the issues in healthcare system and HIV, etc. So it's a bit weird for me to talk about my own my own work. Well, you 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 just mentioned that you worked for the TA, for the treatment action campaign. C- can you give us a bit more of the your background before you got into writing? Other things that you have done, or what you that you're currently doing in between writing? Yeah, so I mean, I started out in journalism um, after university, and then I covered I actually covered the TAC and the struggle for AIDS treatment um, in the early two thousands. And then through that, I got to know some of the um, people at the TAC, and they, you know, at some point, Nathan Geffen of the Treatment Action Campaign recruited me. Um, and that work, you know, it's a lot of that actually led to the content of asylum. So we worked on tuberculosis, for example, and how people were incarcerated um, forcibly um, for, for a period of time, people with drug-resistant TB. Um, you know, so all of that kind of made its way into my writing, which I've always tried to do on the side. But it's, you know, it's difficult when you're also involved with things like the TAC and I'm involved with Section 27 as well. Um, yeah. So you work for a lot of NGOs and you're pushing government to be held accountable. Yeah, I mean, that's, that is the, what I've spent most of the last 10 years of my life doing and it's it's pretty it's pretty taxing and difficult work I'd, I'd much rather just write novels um, but you know it's not I'm not there yet Can you give a brief overview of the storyline of Asylum without giving too much away? Yeah so it's it's set a few years into the future 2022 um, there's been a disease outbreak that's very similar to drug-resistant TB. Um, people are being held in quarantine um, at kind of quarantine hospitals. And this this is not, I mean, it sounds a bit um, futuristic or apocalyptic, but it's, you know, based on real events in South Africa that happened about eight, nine years ago. So it's it's a version of that set in the future. And one of the people in one of these facilities is Barry, who's our protagonist, and he keeps a notebook of his experiences while incarcerated. And the book is kind of his thoughts on, you know, trying to come to terms with having a terminal illness and being in a place that, you you know, being kind of removed from society. Um, you know, but it's it's not just that. The book is it's, it's also... Um, about the possibility of escape. So there is, you know, they may or may not escape from this quarantine facility, and there's a few things that may or may not happen from there. Uh, while I was reading the book, I was also reading another book that Macmillan's released into South Africa, has launched in South Africa. It's also a set in the future. It's from the international part of Macmillan. That's called the American War. And it's also quite, it's it's 
there's quite a lot of similarities. So I, I got into this, this what I would call a dystopian genre, both your book and also American War. Mm. I actually noticed uh, an article on the New Yorker website, The Golden Age for Dystopian Fiction, that just was published this in this week's New Yorker. So in my mind, dystopian fiction has become quite a, quite a strong genre that's really popping above the radar for people who are going to be reading quite a lot. Why did you choose to write a book set in the future? And what I would describe, you might not agree with me, but I would describe in a, in a, in a, dystopian, in a dystopian future world. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't, I don't think anyone has, quite has a handle on why dystopian fiction is as popular as it is at the moment. Um, you know, I, I think certainly with the start of a book like *The Road* by Cormac McCarthy, it's it's had this complete resurgence, um, and it has it both on the literary side and then also on the kind of um, young adult or kind of books. You know, like the um, *The Hunger Games*. *Hunger Games*, exactly. That's what I was thinking. So, I mean, that that is interesting to me, and I wanted some of that in my book. Um, because you know, I just find the I, the vision of a future gone wrong is is something that that's intriguing from a literary point of view, and it's it's just an interesting idea for people to play with. But in Asylum, I I was kind of cautious of going too far and make you know, it's not a fantasy novel. It's not it's not you know, I don't really think of it as post-apocalyptic or anything like that. It's it's I wanted it to be a recognizable world. Um, and for it to have clearer relevance to the world we live in now. Um, you do explore environmental degradation to the degree that world patterns, world uh, weather patterns are disrupted. Yeah. And and sense of almost like impending disaster on a real politic or a balance of power level. But at the same time, you do keep all of that on the back burner in the book. It never actually overshadows the intimate and very urgent and very demanding uh, issues around the protagonist Barry and the people in the hospital but it is it is there you yeah, have yeah. created that, 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 well, that slightly dystopian world in which you've set your story there's a, an, well, an argument of dystopianism is that perfection comes at the cost of freedom H- how would you relate that to asylum that perfection comes. Perfection comes at the cost of freedom. Yeah, I mean, I. That, that seems to me almost more of a political statement, where, you know, where, where you can, if I understand you correctly, where you can achieve some kind of utopia if you give up certain freedoms. Um, and I think there's a, an interesting political novel to write in in that sense. And there's some of that in um, Asylum in that the protagonist and the people around him are incarcerated. Their freedom has been taken away. Um, but, you know, that that is a political element, but I was actually more interested in the psychological element of it, the kind of in- internal stigma that you have when you have an incurable disease, which is a reality that... Um, we've seen a lot in South Africa with things like HIV and TB. Um, but then also, you know, rather than the political, it, I think it's more about the basic existential issue where 
you know, things can happen to you because of political factors. You can get a disease, and because society is not set up to deal with that in a humane way, you can end up in a horrible place. Um, but still, you have to deal with that in your own life. Um, I don't know if that's that's clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the word freedom isn't the title of the book. It's asylum. But yeah. you, what you've said does explain to a degree the the the, the that yeah. smart political aspect. You also do bring in a politician from the Eastern Cape who comes and he looks at the facility that these people are incarcerated in. So even though you are looking, you are looking at very strongly from a from a psychological perspective, but you don't shy away from the, some of the political ramifications of what you describe. Yeah, I mean, I guess the way to explain it would be to say that I definitely wanted to set it set it in a political reality. But the question is, to what extent can an individual transcend or escape that reality? Um, I've got more questions specifically relating to how the book connects to 2017 Life in South Africa. But we'll deal with those straight after this ad break. Uh, we are discussing a new book called Asylum by Marcus Lowe with the author who's here in the studios with us on, one, on, on People of the Book. The book is published by Picador Africa. It's a debut novel. Marcus Lowe has a very strong background in journalism and working for NGOs, uh, um, especially uh, treatment action campaign. And a lot of his Real life experience has been distilled into this very, very. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a hard book. It's describing Bleak. a hard reality. It's describing incarceration. People who are incarcerated in a, a health facility because they've got a uh, uh, an infectious disease that there's no cure for. When you wrote the book. You you you, act, you you ended up drawing the reader's attention to events and attitudes in the future, but how much how much do you want to draw parallels to South African reality now in 2017? I mean, I, I didn't so much set out to do that, but I wanted that to be kind of part of the background of the book that there is this reality where. You know, certain groups of people are marginalized and, you know, some of it is purely chance. If you're unlucky enough to get a disease that's incurable and that's infectious, then you'll get locked up unless, of course, you're wealthy and you can afford something else. So, I mean, that I think is is part of the reality that we live in now. Um and I guess by putting the book in the future and maybe heightening the contrast and making it more obvious, hopefully, you know, you can cast a slightly different um, view on that. But you didn't intend to have a very strongly political message. Yeah, I mean, my view is that unless you're George Orwell or someone like that, it's 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 very dangerous to set out with a political message. Um, you know the reader readers don't want to feel preached at in my in my um view so the core you know when writing the book i felt i had to find a core and the core was had to do with what this 
person was feeling and the kind of um, estrangement from society and the having to deal with illness, etc. So that, and then we might talk about the dreams in a minute, but that to me was the core um, and not, you know, definitely not trying to make a political point. Although just before we move on, I, you know, I'm kind of laboring the point, but I, I, I do feel it's important that writers deal with the political realities of their time. Um, but for me, I try to do that in a way that's not, you know, not preaching to people. You, now that I've read the book and I'm hearing you talk about it, a lot of things fall into place. Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes a book is produced and you go into the shops and you buy it and there's no author interview in the book and it's just this lone cultural artifact that exists on its own merits but really good fiction needs to be connected beyond just the page and uh, I'm finding that hearing you talk about your book it's you're making those connections that make the books having read it already that much more What's the more? What's the uh, not just relevant, but actually immediate, and it's 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 become not just a book in a published form, but it's become a living document that's now become a testimony to any ev- events in our recent past, uh, in terms of things that you saw in the t- in the treatment action campaign. Mm-hmm. But it's become it's become a a living book in the sense that it's it's a distillation of so much more than just a story. Yeah. Yeah. I, have, I mean, I, on that, I, one of the most, one of the nicest things for me about this has been that um, some of my friends who are doctors um, and who are teaching are giving this to the medical students as a way to get the students to understand something about what it's like to be a patient. Um, and that to me is, you know, apart from the reviews, etc., that's probably the biggest compliment I've had so far. How were you able to get into a patient's mind and create Barry and all of his uh, his depth? <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. So one of the reasons why I said it in the future, not in 2008, where the kind of similar things happened in the real world, is that actually I don't feel I can tell the stories of those people who were incarcerated. Um, I'm not... You know, it's not my place to tell those stories, and I, I don't think I'm ready to do that. But I did read up a lot of testimonies. We, um, at the time, we advocated for government to stop incarcerating people or to do it for much shorter periods, which was eventually successful. But in that process, we had to, you know, get testimonies from patients and speak to doctors, etc. So there's that, but. You know, I guess another element that indirectly feeds into this is that um, I've got a degenerative eye condition, so I've been gradually losing my eyesight um, in recent years. And I think that has given me a kind of a personal connection to what it's, you know, what it's like to deal with something that you just can't change, you know, an illness, something in your body that's it's it's just a fact, and you just have to deal with it. Um, you know, which I find very intriguing. It's it's. I think there's a lot, 
a lot of literary potential there, a lot to explore, and it's it's you know it can very easily transform into a, a metaphor for aging and various things. So it's, I find it very a very rich area to work with. And Asylum is a very literary read. You're asking the reader to move into what is quite an ambiguous and also can be uncomfortable space. Um, what motivated you to 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 challenge us in this way so it's it's very hard to to say i mean i i didn't set out to write exactly this book um i set out with some key images and i guess themes that i wanted to explore um and Part of what made it work for me is so the book is set in a very kind of dry, hot Karoo um, that's kind of merciless and it's it's like there's been a nuclear explosion nearby. Um, but then the character also has these dreams where he's, it's still the Karoo, but it's always snowing in the dreams and people are speaking Polish and it's it's just, it's you know, it's just a bit off. Um, and something in... In the initial idea of those two contrasts with this harsh reality and this in this kind of escape he has into these dreams where the world is you know where there's some kind of refuge, although it's imperfect, that tension is really what drove the book and you know if if I said I just to write a book about someone in a quarantine facility and I set out to make tell a realistic story about that. I think there would have been a risk that the book would have been boring or, you know, too bleak, um, etc. But I think, you know, the way I tried to do it, I think there's there was definitely enough me, enough that interested me that I, you know, hope the reader would also be interested. We've got to take an ad break. I've got a few more questions for Marcus Lowe about his latest book, well, his debut book, his debut novel, Asylum, straight after these ads. A frequency like no other. 101.9 High FM. This is Stephen Kravitz. We, uh, we, we, in, inter, we in dialogue with Marcus Lowe, the author of a debut novel, Asylum. It's published by Picador Africa. He's our guest here on People of the Book. And uh, I wanted I wanted to ask uh, Marcus about the he's already mentioned it the use of dreams, which is a major part of the book Asylum. I sometimes find dreams can be quite frustrating in fiction because it's not real, but it's still in the book, even though fiction's not real either. But you you want to you want to you want to follow the real line storyline. But from what you said already, you actually put the dreams into the book with a very, very strong reason. Um, and it actually, hearing you talk about it now, it, it actually creates a great tension within the structure of the novel. You've got the, you've got the, the bleak life and then you've got these dreams, as you said. It's mm. a big ball set in somewhere. It's cold and it's snowing and there's people dressed in re, you know, ball gowns and uh, suits and ta- uh, hats and tails. Um, it, it really gave, it gives the book a jolt of of tension in what could, as you said, could have been an otherwise um, very very bleak set setting. Uh, but can you talk a bit more about your use of dreams in your fiction? Yeah, so I mean, firstly, I, I agree with you that dreams is not something that 
I would generally recommend people put in books. It's a bit like voiceovers in film. Um, you know, it, it just very easily takes people away from the story. So I, th- I thought very carefully about it. And, um, you know, there was a period in which one of my um, early editors tried to convince me that maybe we should take them out. But I, I do think they are critical. And I part of what they do for me in the book is they create texture. So, I mean, this may sound a bit pretentious, but I think part of what you want to do with a book is you want to create a texture. So when you, know, when you remember a book, you don't necessarily remember this happened, then that happened, or the, you know, the plot. You remember a feeling, you know, or a tension or some central thing. And I think, as you say, that, that's what the dreams gave me, this contrast between his, his harsh reality in the daytime and then this dream world. Um, and I guess the second element of why I went that way is that it, it introduces a bit of strangeness. And again, if you overdo strangeness, you... You can ruin your book quite easily. But if you do it in a subtle way, I think it, it can be very powerful. And it can actually provide, you know, just by making things a little bit strange, you can provide new angles on things and see things in new ways that, that are often quite interesting. Um, and, you know, I wasn't really aware of it at the time, but there's a whole theoretical school of thinking about estrangement or there's a Russian word, which... You know, refers to exactly that, and I kind of realized after the fact that that's kind of what the dreams are doing—they are fulfilling that slight estrangement function. I'm going to f- ask one more question. I also, also I often laugh when I hear interviews on the radio, and they say you've got two minutes to, you know, basically define the universe and give two good examples, and then we're <laughs> going to play the ads. But I'm going to do that to you. Uh, in terms of other writers who've you met, other authors. Uh, what influences have come to the fore in your writing from other writers? Yeah, it's it's not necessarily always my favorite authors, but I think a book like Crime and Punishment um, by Fyodor Dostoevsky, it, that played a role, I think, at a subconscious level, um, mainly because of the interesting way in which he deals with madness in that in that book. Um, you know, it's not a it's not a Caricature is kind of a subtle exploration of madness that gives you some understanding of human nature, of normal human nature. Um, so that that was definitely an influence. I think a book like Regeneration by Pat Barker had kind of a indirect influence in that in that book, you know, someone gets Sigrid Sassoon, who's one of the greatest poets who ever lived gets injured in World War One and he's recovering in a hospital and the sense of him in that hospital is I think something I had at the back of my mind when I was writing Asylum um, you know and there are more obvious connections like Kami and um, Sartre and so on but yeah I think they, they were all kind of there in the background Okay, this has been uh, so I actually want to say to everyone who's listened to the show I read the book Asylum by Marcus Lowe and I finished it last night. Having spoken to him about the book, I actually wish I could go back and read it for the first time and take everything that he said in the interview and let that inform the reading because it really will make the book come alive in a, slight, in a, in a totally different way. Instead of being a book, it, becomes, it really is 3D in my mind. It's very, the images are very powerful. But now it becomes even 
more. It's you know, not 3D, but a 4D document, this book, because it really, it's now the, 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 the whatever informed the writing of the book really makes the book, uh, allows me to view the book from a totally, totally different perspective. It's literary fiction, it's South African, it's Asylum by Marcus Lowe, published by Picador Africa. It is available in the shops that was released uh, in April. And it's, uh, it's, 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 it's a read that it'll challenge you. It'll move you out of your comfort zone. But you are looking at events set in the future that actually have happened in our recent past. And I thank you very much for coming on to our show, Marcus. It's been a pleasure having you here. Uh, I, I love having inter- interviews with authors where my eyes are <laughs> opened up to the, 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 the wider perspective of their writing. Thank you, and good luck for your book. Thank you. It was a pleasure to be here.